Welcome to the Rise Method podcast where we make fitness information available to everyone. I'm Steve, let's jump in. So before we get started with this podcast, just for some context, this audio is actually from a live video that was broadcast to our Facebook group. So there might be some awkward pauses and times where we're waiting for questions. So um, if you want to go actually watch that video, you can head on over to our Facebook community group. So just type in Rise Method Community Hub and you can actually watch the live video as it comes out uh, or you can just tune in and listen to it now. Enjoy. Hey folks, Steve here and welcome to this very special live question and answer where I'll be able to answer any of your questions live. So folks, today we are going to be starting by talking about alcohol, its effects on, on our body, and if it is something that's really that bad for us while we're dieting. So we'll dive into that a little bit deeper. Now, if you are watching live, I'd love for you to let me know. You can maybe like this post, I'll be able to see it. Or maybe leave a comment down below, I'll be able to see it. And you can ask me a question at any time. We can have a discussion and talk about anything related to fitness, health, the challenge, anything in between. Now, we are rolling into the second week of the Rise Method Challenge. I was going to say the first, but technically the second, the first on our new mobile app. So lots of folks, uh, they're interacting with me, asking me lots of questions, lots of folks sending me lots of videos, and I think that's probably the best way for me to help you get the most out of this challenge is to look at ways that we can improve your training and your training position. Because so we can all get better, and that's me included. We can all get better at our execution of training just like elite athletes would work and watch and review their training and review their game day footage and ways they can get better, it's the same way with training and we can all find ways that we can modify, improve and overcome challenges. It can be a little bit daunting to film yourself and, and have that experience very exposed to yourself. Well, geez, that's, that's, that's me exercising. But that goes a very long way into improving your technique. Even just you filming yourself and watching yourself and reviewing that footage goes a long way to improve yourself. Because you can start to see things. You're like, hey, that, that's not quite right. Or, oh, I'm losing my balance there. Or, wow, it looks really good at the start. And then it falls apart towards the end of the set. So you get to review those things. And you don't need to send them to me if you don't want to. But that review process is really powerful. So if you're not already, film yourself. They don't, they don't need to end up on the gram or this Facebook group or anything like that. Film yourself, it goes a really long way. Chantel Adams says, hi. Hi, Chantel. Good to see you here. All right, team, look, let's jump right into it. Let's start talking about alcohol and uh, talk about, you know, its effects on the body. And ultimately, I'm trying to answer the question of, is it really that bad if we have a drink while we are dieting, while we are exercising? Now, for context, there were quite a few folks who did their weekly check-in this week that were asking me questions about alcohol. Uh, or saying things like, oh, I fell apart because I had a drink on the weekend or trying to balance my alcohol intake was, was really challenging, that type of thing. So some folks were asking questions about that, the reason why we are doing this live here today. So first, we need to talk about how alcohol is a limiting factor and there's four reasons why it might not be a good idea. Firstly, we can't go past the, the elephant in the room that alcohol and excessive alcohol consumption is not good for our health. And we all know this. We all know that high alcohol intakes are related to almost all cause mortality, um, all types of different cancers, uh, organ failures. That's in terms of our health. Also, it leads to a range of mental conditions. You know, we can lead and use alcohol as a crutch, as a painkiller, as a way to numb, you know, 
stresses and pains in our life. So high level of alcohol intake is not good for our health. We need to put that down as, as number one. Technically, it is a poison in the body, so in all technicalities, and that means that our body, its first step is to actually get rid of alcohol in our body. So once we consume alcohol, the body changes a few processes, starts to metabolize that alcohol first in the liver, tries to get rid of it first. All other functions kind of stop, because so it goes, hey, let's get rid of this alcohol, Jody says, hi. It gets processed through the liver. So different pathway to normal energy where it gets processed through the digestive system is goes towards the liver. So we need to appreciate that first. So that's number one, alcohol intake, probably not good for our health. We can all appreciate that there's a, a level, right, where uh, some small amounts of alcohol might not have a big effect. You know, we see it in things like the Mediterranean diet, which is highly prescribed by dietitians here in Australia, where that actually supports a moderate amount of red alcohol intake in that. And most of that is a very cultural thing. So small amounts of alcohol can be okay for our health. And we've all heard of these studies where it says, oh, a glass of wine is good for your health or heart or your glass of wine is good for your Okay, sure, we can always point our fingers at that. But the big elephant in the room is that high levels of alcohol intake is not good for us. So you know you're an adult when the alcohol intake is too high, that it goes, hey, okay, this is, this is a bit of a problem. And that might mean that you are drinking a whole bottle of wine every single night or a whole bottle of vodka every single night. Okay, that's probably not very great for us. That's number one. Number two, we need to appreciate that alcohol contains calories. So technically the fourth macronutrient is ethanol, and that is alcohol. And one gram of ethanol or alcohol contains seven calories. Now to put that in perspective, one standard drink is technically 10 grams of alcohol. So if you are looking at a drink and you look at the label and the standard drinks, and it says, you know, two standard drinks, four standard drinks, one standard drink is 10 grams of alcohol or 70 calories. So if you choose to have a uh, glass of wine or a prepackaged bottle of beer or something, and you look at the label, it says, you know, two standard drinks in this drink. That is the equivalent of, you know, 140 calories. Okay, so we need to appreciate that alcohol contains calories. That is usually extra calories and calories that don't have extra nutrients linked to that. So you can appreciate that if you have like a, a, a salad or some vegetables or some fruit, that if you consume those calories, that comes with other micronutrients. That is good for our health. It comes with fiber. That's good for our health. It comes with some hydration. That's good for our health. Alcohol doesn't have those things. So technically it is empty calories, meaning that it doesn't have any other nutritional value other than pure energy coming from the metabolism of that ethanol. Okay, so that's the first thing. Within that idea that alcohol contains energy or calories, what we mix the alcohol with also contains calories. So if you are having like a vodka with orange juice, that orange juice is extra calories. If you're mixing it with cordial, extra calories. Mixing it with anything else, extra calories. Uh, and even the wine itself, or the beer itself, it can contain uh, alcohol sugars, but then also other additives that have um, you know sugars in them, which are just extra calories. So we need to appreciate that when we're consuming alcohol, it's going to add to our caloric intake. So if you are having a glass of wine with dinner, you need to appreciate that could be an extra, you know, 100, 150 calories there. If you are having a few drinks at a barbecue on the weekend, that could be an extra couple of hundred calories. And if your energy deficit is quite small, let's say 
100 or 200 calories throughout the day, right? Let's say, for argument's sake, 100 calories each day for seven days, that's 700 calories. You could easily consume 700 calories worth of alcohol, right? Let's say a six pack uh, on a weekend, and that would get rid of the entire week of being in a deficit in while dieting. So we need to appreciate that it has calories. Number three, so we're up to number three now. So number one, alcohol is not good for our health. We know that. Number two, alcohol contains calories. Number three, when we are consuming alcohol, we have an altered state of consciousness while we're drinking. Yeah, we can call it being drunk, being tipsy, being in the environment. We have disinhibition, meaning we are normally disciplined. We have in inhibition. We stop ourselves from doing things. But when we are drinking, we have disinhibition. So that means that if you are at a barbecue, you're having a beer or a wine or a, a spirit or scotch, whatever, you're more likely to pick at the bowl of chips or the candy or have an extra serving of food because you're ha you have a decreased level of control or inhibition in yourself. Yeah. You're more likely to go and do things like, hey, I'm going to do the, the macros run, the KFC run or the kebab run, whatever is popular these days. So you need to appreciate that not only are you drinking more calories, you can also eat more calories. Okay. The next thing we need to appreciate, number four, and there's only four, we're not here just a bad mouth alcohol. So number four is that it can alter our state of consciousness the next day. You know, we can call it a hangover. We can call it feeling grisly, feeling seedy, whatever it is. We can be dehydrated. We can have decreased energy, poor quality sleep, uh, and ultimately can impact, negatively impact our training the next day. So if the next day is a training day, you're probably not going to be at your peak condition if you go out on a bender, <laughs> uh, or if you have, you know, two, three, four standard drinks in the night, the next day, you're probably not going to be feeling very great. So we need to appreciate that not only do we have poor decision-making while we're drinking, the next day it can alter our day, our expression of the day, okay? So there are four things we need to consider. Not good for our health, contains calories. Uh, we have an altered state of consciousness while we're drinking, and an altered state of consciousness the next day or preceding days where some of us, as we age, have one drink, you're feeling it for two, three, four days. Some of us have a drink, feel really sick, you're not drinking, right? And we've all, maybe you're, you're like this, or maybe you know people like this, where just having one drink, you feel sick, you feel bloated, feel ill. Okay, don't drink. I'm not telling you to drink, okay? So, what does that leave us, right? Well, we're all adults, and if you wanna have a drink, I'm not here to say that you're not, not allowed to have a drink. If we look at some of the people who are the most uh, fit and athletic, look at you know the classic sports person, drinking is part of a culture of celebrating yeah if we look at let's say the afl which we are at right now you know there is like the the once they finish the games there's like the 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 silly sunday or wacky monday whatever it's called these days where they go out and drink right so these are athletes they drink they're not bad they're not lesser of an athlete they can have a drink and still enjoy that drinking experience while still being fit, while being healthy, while being lean, while being, um, you know, slim, having physique, all those things, right? You can't avoid alcohol your entire life. And you may be sure you can, but you are going to be in situations where there will be a drink and you might choose, oh yeah, I'm going to have a glass of wine. I'm at a fancy dinner or a wedding or something like that. Oh yeah, I'm going to have a, a drink here or there. So it might be worth now thinking, well, is it really that bad to have a drink? So one thing we need to appreciate is that we look at research on if we gave people a glass of wine versus people who didn't, 
and its effects on our overall fat loss rates. And what we found was when calories were, were equated, it made no big significant difference. So we have actually a few studies showing this, that when calories are equated, it's okay. So if you want to have a drink, you can have a drink as long as you equate for those calories. And that can be really hard. You'll be really disciplined. And if you wanted to have, let's say, a glass of wine, I refer to a glass of wine because, you know, maybe European cultures, that's very normal to have a glass of wine with dinner. You know, we could factor in 100, 150 calories into our daily meal, our daily caloric intake, so that we can factor in that drink. And that is totally fine. But the problem is we need to stop at one. Uh, or if we're factoring two, we need to stop in two. But then we get to a point where, okay, 300 calories, two glasses of wine, for some of us, that's like a fifth of our caloric intake. And we need some nutrition into our body to look after ourselves, yeah? Once we kind of get into that, you know, two, three glasses realm, that's when we start to have those negative side effects of drinking. We need to appreciate Next, we looked at some research that uh, compared some beer consumption, and I think it was two glasses of beer, and its effects on muscle recovery and uh, synthesis or creation of muscle. And again, we found no significant difference between control groups and those who had a drink. So if you're sitting thinking, oh, well, I don't want to drink because it's going to ruin my muscle gains, <laughs> yeah, it probably is, meaning that you won't be able to be elite-level bodybuilder with the most amount of muscle if you have a drink. But in the long game, yeah, okay, you might be able to have, you know, a drink here or there and it not significantly affecting your muscle growth rates or your muscle uh, maintenance rate, okay? So if you do choose to have a drink, you need to monitor your caloric intake. It's probably best to not do it around training days. So if you is your current training day, maybe it's not a good idea to train, uh, to drink mainly for that like recovery because you know your sleep is going to be impaired that that day and then if your training day is the next day probably not a good idea because you're going to be a bit dehydrated a bit seedy probably not feeling very great you might not be able to train really well the next day so that leaves us a very odd window where we might have a non-training day two days in a row and maybe you have a program that is like that where you don't train two days in a row okay you can have a drink there that would be the optimal scenario for having a drink Drink plenty of water because dehydration is important and have it away from your sleeping window where maybe you are having a drink at lunchtime at a barbecue rather than in the evening because that's going to affect your sleep. Okay, so that's alcohol. My take is that you can certainly have a drink if you want to. You know when you've had too much. You're an adult. <laughs> and uh, it's probably best just to have, you know, a glass, monitor the caloric intake, monitor the environment that you're in so that you're not going to be overindulging in other foods and you're going to be okay if you choose to have a drink okay you're going to be okay if you choose to have a drink if you wanted the best 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 results possible you probably want to abstain from drinking while you're in a committed diet but for maintenance lifestyle you can certainly have a drink and be fit and be healthy okay Michelle says hi, Kathy says hi and Karen says hi Steve all right look folks uh, I pass it on to you. If you have a question for me, maybe about alcohol, maybe about fitness, uh, training, uh, health, the challenge, anything in between, I'd love to be able to give you an answer now live. Kathy asks, does alcohol cause inflammation? If so, how does it affect your weight? Uh, yeah, so for some people more so than others, it can cause, cause an inflammatory effect. However, inflammation doesn't directly affect weight gain or weight loss. 
doesn't directly affect weight loss or weight gain, yeah? So what does affect weight loss or weight gain is our ultimate energy intake, regardless of inflammation or not. It might indirectly influence um, potential weight loss. You know, for example, if I have inflammation in my body, my knees are aching, my back's aching, I'm not training as hard. I'm not likely to go for a walk, so I'm not expending as much energy. Maybe um, far beyond my pay grade, it might affect some digestion issues. Uh, but I would say that if digestion does change because of inflammation, you are less likely to absorb energy and absorb calories. So if anything, it might be helpful <laughs> to have some inflammation while you're dieting because you are simply not absorbing as much of the energy that you eat. So that tips the scales in terms of our energy balance. Uh, so no, I would say that it doesn't directly cause... Uh, much change in our weight. It might cause inflammation in some folks more so than others. And you see that in people when you do choose to have a drink. Some people get that red flush straight away. Some people feel uh, nauseous instantly, bloated instantly. They might not be able to digest that type of alcohol sugar. And there's a few different types of alcohol sugars. Again, a little bit above my pay grade. I, I, I don't know them all, all off the top of my head. But you know, the alcohol that's found in wine is a little bit different to alcohol that's found in vodka, which is a little bit different to alcohol that's found in, in things like whiskey. So like the, the different kind of colors of alcohol can change the effects it has on you. And you might have experienced this where if you have a certain drink, it you know really hits you. You're like, oh geez, like that I can't drink that. Um, where others you're like, hey, I actually feel fine consuming this. And that's all that depends. It all depends. A good question, Kathy. Thanks for asking that. Karen, if my macros require more carbs, is it okay to add a large apple? I was worried about the sugar. Okay, who? Let's talk about sugar uh, before we talk about Rochelle with magnesium. Uh, the short answer, uh, Rochelle, uh, doesn't do much for recovery, but we'll talk about that in a moment. So Karen asked, if I require more carbs, is it okay to add a large apple? I was worried about the sugar. Okay, firstly, sugar, sugar, not a bad thing. Sugar is great. Sugar is fine. Um, I think sugar gets demonized more than alcohol. Uh, sugar is essentially a carb broken down into the smallest molecule. Yeah. So, um, if I, if my hands were a carb, you know, really complicated, a sugar is a really simple form of that carb. And what our body does is whenever we're consuming a carbohydrate, whether it be a simplified or a complex carbohydrate, we try to break that down into glucose, glucose in our bloodstream. So our brain and our muscle tissues can use the, the glucose, and then our muscle actually stores some of that glucose in the muscle as glycogen with a bit of water. So sugar is really useful. <laughs> we need sugar. So sugar is not a bad thing. Some hyper-processed sugars might not be great because it gets instantly, like very quickly digested, added to the bloodstream. Our blood sugar level can rise really rapidly, so it can have some negative health effects. And that is high levels of highly processed sugars, and we know that with things like diabetes. But ultimately, sugar is fine. You can consume sugar um, in quite moderate doses and lose significant weight. Um, and we see that time and time again where people would eat, you know, McDonald's and lose weight, uh, eat Twinkies in the US and, and, and lose weight. So sugar isn't bad. Next, sugar in fruit. That often gets even more uh, attacked. Um, that's when we're talking about fructose in fruit. Um, and there are some folks out there that are very anti-fructose for some reason. Um, and the problem with that is when we look at fructose in itself, okay, really hyper broken down sugar, and that really spikes our uh, blood glucose level. 
But what we forget is when we have an apple, we're also eating the flesh of the apple, which has lots of fiber in it. And that fiber, the skin, uh, the flesh, mixed in with the sugars of the alcohol, uh, sorry, the apple, slow down the absorption of the sugar into the bloodstream. So it ends up being a net, totally fine thing. And having an apple is a very slow release, like quite uh, low GI food to consume. So sugar is totally fine. Fructose in a fruit is totally fine. Having an apple is totally fine. <laughs> um, and yes, if you do require more carbohydrate, an apple can be a great solution because uh, it doesn't have any fats, uh, very small amount, and um, very small amount of proteins in there next to nothing. Okay, so very great, pure um, carbohydrate source. Really good uh, around our time to train. Now, because it can be a slow absorbing sugar, if you wanted to have it as a pre-workout, uh, it might take a bit of time for it to actually enter your bloodstream. That's where we get things like, um, you know, a, a banana, a little bit lower in fiber that can enter the bloodstream a little bit quicker. Really great around our workout window because that's instant carbs can really impact our training performance by having, you know, ready to go carbohydrate. It's like, you know, you've got a cannon, you load up the cannonball, ready to fire. That's like having carbohydrate before you train. Whereas if you don't, that's like, hey, where's the, where's the cannonball again? Oh, it's over there somewhere. I've got to grab the cannonball and load it in. All right, ready to fire? Oh, we needed to fire five minutes ago. Okay, you're having it before, yeah. So um, apples are great. Um, you know, the common gym bro, broette culture is the, the banana because it has that low fiber intake. Apple would be, you know, kind of up there with, with common because it's a common fruit to have. Um, if you choose to juice fruit or blend fruit, that does break down a lot of the fiber. So that's where we do face more complications. So if you are one to juice lots of fruits um, or drink fruit juice, uh, that's where we get problems around that kind of sugar fructose issue because we're ingesting it very quickly, enters the bloodstream very quickly, and we can have that spike of sugar. Now, in sports science, we can use that spike of sugar to increase performance. So if you were to, you know, run a, a, a hundred meter sprint, you could have that sugar rush, you know, you're really going to go, you know, and, you know, use that performance output. But most of us aren't doing hundred meter sprints. You know, we're training for half an hour to an hour. So we need that kind of sustained, um, like release where fruit gets really great. Apple can be great because it might be a release maybe, you know, 20 minutes into your workout, which might be when you need it. You know, if you're having like a, a pre-workout, the caffeine gets you going and then 20 minutes in, that's when the, the apple kind of kicks in. So I love the conversation. Good job. Um, Rochelle sneaks a question in here. Uh, is magnesium helpful for muscle recovery? Um, no, uh, not directly. So you consuming magnesium doesn't, you know, one-on-one -on -one connect with um, recovering or building muscle. If it did, that would be a wonder drug. <laughs> you know, we'd use it in hospitals to help muscle grow after surgery. You know, that's recovery. What magnesium can do is help us to relax and improve our sleep quality. So maybe indirectly, uh, you could make the argument that it does help with recovery because you get to relax and uh, sleep better. Uh, but directly, no, it doesn't uh, directly help with muscle recovery. Yeah. Now, um, I went down a rabbit hole once where some folks were making the claim that magnesium is one of the uh, minerals that our body's the most efficient in. I can't make the claim. Um, magnesium, most of us have it orally, uh, but one of the best ways to absorb magnesium is through our skin cutaneously. 
um, and magnesium creams are really powerful. So if you are finding that you're, you're, you're cramping a lot um, and you do have a little bit of muscle soreness, some people respond really well to magnesium where they rub magnesium on their like thighs or carbs that um, helps to ease the, uh, the, the, the pain that they feel, it helps to relax the muscle. Um, but we also know that high levels of magnesium intake can negatively affect our heart health. So you can't go super overboard where you're having um, the Epsom salt bath and the uh, magnesium drink and a tablet and uh, cream because it's probably just too, too much magnesium. Okay. But good question. Um, look, guys, I'll be here for another five minutes. If you have any other questions, queries, double points, I'd love to give you an answer right now. If you're just joining us, um, Annette says I use magnesium oil for cramping. Oil is really great. Um, creams you could buy from, and probably oils as well, from um, a, a chemist at pretty low, low price. Does creatine help with muscle recovery? Uh, similar answer, no, not directly. Uh, creatine plays a role in the way that our muscle uses energy, okay? So uh, uh, try to simplify it. When a muscle contracts, let's say my fingers are contracting, um, we need a molecule called ATP, adenotriphosphate, to activate the muscle cascade to make the, 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 the contraction, okay? Now, when we make the contraction, we turn the ATP, adenotriphosphate, trimethyl three, into diphosphate, meaning two. So we lose a phosphate molecule. And what creatine does is it comes in and grabs the phosphate molecule and goes, hey, I can be part of this again, and recycles it so that we get a, a molecule called adeno, um phosphate, phosphorus, and gets really long. So what that does is it helps us to have more energy while we're training and it helps with a few other bodily functions that it can just function quicker and helps usually with the short burst of activity, usually with a set. So in that kind of first 10, maybe 15 seconds of activity, a set of exercise, we have a little bit more power. So creatine can help with perfect power in the first couple of reps or even a set of exercise. So does it help with recovery? Uh, not, not really, because it's mainly talking about performance. So creatine really great for performance, but creatine also helps to hydrate the muscle. So you will find um, if you have some significant muscle and you started taking creatine or through a creatine load, the muscle looks fuller and rounder. Um, so if you're a bodybuilder and you want to cycle off a of creatine because you're worried about the water weight, it helps the muscle to look bigger, not the subcutaneous skin, the, the space in between the muscle and the skin. So if the muscle is more hydrated, it's got more nutrients in it. More nutrients might mean maybe a faster recovery time. So. Uh, the answer, Kathy, is that creatine doesn't directly help and support muscle recovery, but it can indirectly help with muscle recovery, okay? Now, I think some of us get caught up in, okay, I need my muscles to recover. How can I expedite this recovery process? I think the muscle recovery process is valuable information because if you are training today on a Monday and you did legs, that's a, a common one, and you know it's not until Wednesday that you feel recovered, you might find that that 48 hours is, is, is too long and it's negatively impacting your quality of life or your next training session. So it's good information. What are you doing on Monday that's causing you to be so um, fatigued and, and ill-recovered by Wednesday? Are you training too hard? Are you doing too much volume? Are you just making yourself tired or fatigued? Next, we can ask questions around the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. What are you doing that's kind of stopping that whole recovery mill? 
And the big rocks in recovery are sleep and sleep quality. So you might say, hey, Steve, I sleep for 12 hours. Okay, do you sleep for 12 hours or do you wake up a bunch of times through the night, let the dog out to sleep, you know, put the baby out back to sleep, you know, you're snoring in the night or, you know, you're up all night because you've just been playing video games and your brain is, is really active. So quality of sleep is a massive one. External stresses is a massive one. So if you are training, but you're also, you know, trying to run a business, you're worrying about mortgage rate rising, um, you've got sick kids, uh, you've got an exam coming up, whatever it is, that external stressor is going to negatively downregulate your recovery ability. And finally, your overall nutrition intake. So if you are you know, having, let's say, alcohol, which is lower in the nutritional density versus, let's say, an apple like Karen is before she trains, higher in nutritional density, that extra nutrition of micronutrients, um, fiber and such will improve our recovery rates. So sometimes if we're worried about all the supplements to try to expedite recovery or other alternative methods like cryotherapy, heat therapy, those types of things, that can kind of blunt, uh, not blunt, but like create a barrier and blur the vision of, well, what is feeding into our uh, recovery window and then what is stopping or slowing down the recovery window around, you know, sleep, stress and, and nutrition. Other things to consider, of course, is our overall health um, and our, our things like uh, age and general environment. So if you are, you know, smoking or live in a city with lots of, lots of smoke, uh, smoke and uh, pollution, okay, that might slow down your recovery ability. Um, if you are of older age, so you know me, I'm in my thirties, uh, well, 30 on the time. So, um, I probably have a faster recovery rate than someone in their sixties or seventies. Yeah. So if I injure my tissues, I probably recover well versus someone who is much older who doesn't recover as, as well. So we need to appreciate those, those types of factors. Okay. Well, guys, if there's any other questions, if you're sitting there and you're thinking, oh, Steve, just, just hurry up and finish. I've just got one more question to ask you. Uh, I'd love to give you an answer right now. Um, I might just hang out for a, a couple of minutes if there was another question. Uh, if not, um, we might wrap it up in, in the next minute or so, unless you're just frantically typing it out. I'll be doing these live videos every Monday night. So if you are watching a recording, you just catch the next one. If you are watching the end of this, I can see you next week and we can chat about anything you really like. Um, you can also message me on the Rise Method app and we can chat about any sort of challenges that you have, brainstorm ideas. And I would love for you to send me a training video and we can talk about ways that we can improve uh, your execution or your position or your performance of that exercise. Final comment I want to make about some common questions around the RISE method. Uh, some folks are asking questions like, will my calories drop at a certain date or is the calories going to change those types of things? The RISE method is very personal to you. So the calories that you have is individual to you and is designed to help you move towards your goal. Let it be weight loss, weight gain, that type of thing. So if you're not losing weight, we can modify your calories. If you are losing weight, great, we're going to stay there. There is no set at this date, X, your calorie is going to drop to X. Um, so it is going to stay as it is unless we start seeing no results, if that makes sense. If we don't see results, we're going to change it. So I'm here, I'm watching your data, I'm watching the statistics and making sure that things are moving in the right direction. But look guys, might wrap it up there. Um, thank you so much for tuning in live. If you enjoyed this, give me, give me a thumbs up. If you learned something, maybe let me know in the comments down below and I'll catch you next week.